it is entirely possible to take a pandemic seriously without panicking about it. It is entirely possible to take your job or your side project or whatever else you're doing seriously without becoming a workaholic. We don't have to go so far into anything as to hurt ourselves. And we can find joy in any situation while still taking things seriously. Brian Talks to Humans, a people's podcast about everyday people. Got a bit of a new twist for you this time. This Corona cast features Hunter, a podcaster I met in a podcast group on Facebook. He moved to a new town, got a job at Walmart, and then had a Corona scare. He talks about working at Walmart and the positive things that have come up out of life slowing down. Okay. Here's my conversation with Hunter. Okay, so uh, Hunter, given the current crisis that we're in, in in general, how are you holding up? I'm doing great. I don't mean to sound like one of those people who's just happy-go-lucky and everything's great. I'm currently in quarantine, kind of. I mean, I can leave the house, but I probably shouldn't. But like... My wife and I get to spend a lot of time together, and I get to spend a lot of time with my puppy, and I get to work on my podcast for the first time in months, Mm. and I've been sent home from my job at Walmart for a few days, but during that time, I've been able to work on picking up some new piano students over Skype, and honestly, I love teaching piano. I'd rather be teaching piano than doing almost anything else, and Mm. so I got to transition from a pretty good job, an okay job, with no complaints, to a job that I love. Unfortunately, I'm just looking to get new students at this point. That's been, yeah. frankly, one of my only complaints. So before COVID started, what was life and work like for you in general? Like, So I was living in this little studio apartment, probably the size of your bedroom, with my wife and my dog. Yeah, it was a tiny place. Um, we were, let's see, we weren't making very much money. We were having some marital stress things weren't that great i mean i'm i'm always an optimist but i'll be honest things just weren't great at the time covid hit all of a sudden walmart needed a lot more employees because toilet paper was running out and because you have no idea how many people are purchasing electronics equipment from walmart because they need to work from home and so i went and applied to work at walmart uh started working in the electronics department and oh my gosh we are always out of nintendo switches always <laughs> because the moment they come in people are like but i need this for my kids because my yeah. kids are home from school laptops always gone um yeah. ethernet cables always gone like we had more toilet paper than ethernet cables for most of my time working there <laughs> I-, I was working there for about three weeks and really focusing on my job and my marriage during that time and Things got better in my marriage. A lot of the stress went away. We moved into a bigger apartment. And yeah, uh, it's it's like three times the size of my last place. So it's great. 
and we are oh and move to a city that we actually want to be living in we were living in provo frankly provo is not a great place to be living if you're not a student and neither of us are students right now mm-hmm. so we moved to a quiet to a quiet suburbia town called pleasant grove utah and we got a lot of our stresses resolved not all of them but a lot of them and we and i got a bet and i started working at walmart got a couple piano students and then I started coughing and having difficulty breathing. Now, when an associate walks into the Walmart, there's a little table at the associate store that says um, that that says that I need to answer a couple of questions before I can go into work. And some of those questions are, have you experienced any of the following symptoms in the past 14 days? And I answered yes to two of those symptoms. They said, go home, come back in a week. That day I went and got tested not a pleasant test i screamed mm. and i cried but i don't do well with medical stuff in general anyway my wife <laughs> yeah. was fine great job through the test i was a bit of a wuss from there we stayed quarantined for about three days and just got a call yesterday saying that we are confirmed negative for covid19 okay so for the for the short time you were in you were in walmart and then uh you know other than electronics being uh you know sold out a lot what was it like what, like what precautions were they taking what were the working conditions as for the general environment every day was christmas you know how when you go to the store during christmas time and it's just packed and everything gone and it's super stressful for the customer every day was that mm. except that the customers were extremely polite it was just it was almost a joy to get to work with the customers because they were just so nice and understanding. When I was having problems because, frankly, I had worked there a month, they would say, look, we get it. You've been here a month. We can take an extra minute or two for you to figure this out. And everyone yeah. was so nice. Okay, as for the precautions, they changed their hours so that instead of working from 6 a.m. to 1 a.m., the, the store was open from 7 a.m. to 8.30 p.m. Now, the reason okay. for that was because after 8.30, we needed a little more time to restock and to sanitize everything because that way the customer could come in and have the store be relatively well socked and be and ha- and know that things are gonna be clean when they touch the when they touch the Ethernet cable that at the beginning of the day. We opened up a senior only hour, which was at like six to seven AM. I don't know about you, but that doesn't sound very useful for seniors. You know, yeah, I, I've heard people say both ways. I've heard some people say, like, that's not useful for seniors. Then I've heard some people say, well, I mean, seniors' body clock is they're up at dawn anyway, a lot of them, so I don't know. Okay, that's fair. I'm not a senior, so I don't pretend to speak for, well, any seniors. We started having kind of a mask policy when you go in and answer the questions, depending on how many questions you answer yes to, they'll give you a mask and some gloves. Mm-hmm. But if you haven't experienced any symptoms, they'll say, eh, we are kind of running low on masks. Other than that, we put up some like social distancing stickers. So like at the checkout counters, there would be, there would be, a, there would be a box on the floor. There would be a box every six feet and it would be, this is where you're supposed to stand. Yeah. That way you wouldn't have to judge how far apart six feet is. People are not great at judging distances. I am particularly not great at judging distances. <laughs> yeah. How far six feet is. So, so in general, did you feel safe when you were there? And you, you feel okay about going back? I mean, 
I went in every day fully knowing that I could probably get a life-threatening disease. Just because there are so many people there and so much contact being passed from person to person that for all I know, I could get a life-threatening disease. Mm -hmm. I just also knew that whatever happened, things were going to be okay. We were going to work through it and we were going to be able to overcome any difficulty. So since you were, since you've been home for a little bit, what's that been like other than um, picking up more piano students? So I, I ran a podcast last year on the psychology behind why you like your favorite songs. Okay. That podcast is a lot of work. It was like 20 to 30 hours a week for every episode and every episode was eight to 20 minutes. Yeah. It was that intense. Wow. That's a lot of, that's a whole lot of time. Yeah. Um, there's a reason I haven't been working on that show in about a year, and I s- just barely started working on the show again during quarantine. I actually just got off of an interview. Like, the reason why I was late for this interview was because I was interviewing a guest for my show. Okay. And just a tiny bit over. Other than that, so I make some short films on the weekends. Obviously, I can't call up some cast members and say, hey, let's meet at my place because I might have a life-threatening disease. But instead, I said I I picked a short that I could make literally by myself. I was the only cast member and the only crew member, and I used my phone as my camera. And I filmed that, worked, started editing a short that I should have been editing three months ago. But I just haven't had time, and I finally have time. Also, I get to sleep in this way. Yeah, I mean, when I when I've been talking to folks, you know about trying to find some of the silver linings. You know, it sounds like being able to do more more piano teaching, uh, sleeping in and working on the podcast and that sort of thing. It, it It's, you know, given, given us some time to sort of stop and smell the roses a little bit. And if any any good can come out of it personally and in our, in our individual lives, some of us are lucky enough to have some of those silver linings. Yep. It's been, I get there's a cloud. I get that there's a life-threatening pandemic going on mm-hmm. i just choose to take this as an opportunity to do the things that i've been wanting to do for years i don't get to read books very much i finally got to sit down and read a book i haven't watched a movie in a month my wife and i sat down and watched a movie so yeah it's for me it's been really good what do you see, not necessarily politically, but what's going on, you think, as a whole, as, as a society, that we're doing differently that you'd like to maybe see us keep after this is all over? That's a great question. I've been seeing a lot of people. I've been, I don't think the world will ever be the same after COVID. Not because this is such a big deal. I get, the, I get that the numbers are sometimes low and sometimes high. It's not that. It's that a lot of people had an opportunity to reset their lives, turn their lives off off and turn their lives back on again and see what they want to keep and what they want to leave behind. Frankly, that's up to you. You're going to find some things that after this whole thing is over, you'll say, I didn't actually need that beforehand. My wife and I definitely did that. Mm. We took a look at our marriage and said, this side of our marriage is we don't like it. It's hurting us. And we got rid of it. And we took a look at some things and said, this is new. We like this. Let's throw this in and let's keep doing it. 
I would take a guess that some people are going to find they genuinely like homeschooling. I was homeschooled all my life. I genuinely liked it. I got a lot of benefit from it. Some people won't. No, no solution is right for everybody. Everybody's brain is different. Everybody's person is different. Just that there are going to be some people who say homeschooling works better for us than public school did. And they're going to keep homeschooling, or at least I hope they keep homeschooling instead of going back to what wasn't working. Some, some organizations are going to say that that meeting should have been an email, and they're going to keep having their meetings be emails. And then the meetings that they do have are going to be so much more productive because they're going to be specifically focused on being great meetings instead of just being a list of announcements. Some people are going to find that spending more time at home and having more family dinners is great. And mm. some people are going to find they were overscheduled before quarantine. Mm. And they're going to cut out maybe that origami class on Tuesday nights that they weren't actually enjoying in the first place. No offense to origami classes. Yeah. Some people are going to find that, that they needed more time to themselves. And they're going to build their schedule around that. And some people are going to find that they didn't need to be spending money on – I'm trying to think of a good example – some people are going to find they didn't need to be spending money on that one non-essential business that they found that they were better off without. Mm. No offense meant to non-essential businesses whatsoever. Just that there are some situations where I was spending money on something that, frankly, I was better off without. Some. Sure. Yeah. I think we will never be the same in better ways because mm. we'll get to turn our lives off, find the things that weren't working – start up new things, find things that are working, keep the things that are working and throw away the things that worked. Yeah. I'm hopeful and optimistic in that regard too, that, that, uh, you know, being able to, to take a beat and take stock of things and realize what you, what you liked that you didn't have and what you had that you could live without and new routines and new ways of connecting with people and all sorts of things. I think, uh, uh people are going to want to, maybe not go back to normal afterwards. I remember when I was nine years old, my family packed everything up, and I mean everything. Everything we owned was either sold, put in a storage bin, or put in a 35-foot RV. Now, I'm a nine-year-old kid. This is a 35-foot RV. And all the toys that I own, I need to put into a box that's about three foot by three foot by three foot. Those are all the toys I can keep. I kept the ones that were most important to me. And I said, you know what? I didn't actually need those toys. And I spent 10 months with those being the only toys I had as a nine-year-old kid. Mm. I got a lot of mileage out of those toys. And I found that I didn't need more. I'm not trying to advocate for minimalism, just that there are some things that life can be better. Life can be happier and I hope that people take advantage of that instead of just complaining about the things that they don't have. Yeah, that'd be good. So you mentioned that the, the podcast you have is about why you like your favorite song. Why don't you tell us a little bit more about the podcast that you've been able to get into more lately? Okay. I'm going to take two quick examples just to give, just to give a quick idea of what this feels like. Something just like this by the Chainsmokers and Coldplay. If you take a look at the verse and the chorus, the chorus uses about 25% more of the top 100 English words, like the top 100 most commonly used English words. Because of that, 
our brains are more used to processing those words and it's a little easier for us to process the chorus than it is for us to process the verse. Hmm. And because of that, our brains say, oh my gosh, this is easy. I like this. Can we have more of this, please? And we get to like that song a little bit more. On the other hand, oh, I'm trying to think of a good example from the music theory side of it. Gosh, it's been a while since I've done this show, hasn't it? Shut Up and Dance by Walk the Moon. Yes, I try to focus on songs that are immensely, massively popular in this day and age, instead of trying to go back to that one unreleased B-side from the Beatles from 60 years ago. Um, Shut Up and Dance by Walk the Moon spends its entire song doing one thing musically. The background does the same thing through the entire chorus. And the background does the same thing through the entire verse, except for one spot. The only time when they change anything is the moment that they say, shut up and dance. And during that moment, they change everything. The tune is different. The instrumentals are, for the first time, working with the vocals, doing exactly the same thing as the vocals. The background vocals are, for the first time, harmonizing with the vocals being in unison and doing stuff an octave above. It is completely different, but in subtle ways. And because of that, our brains say, whoa, that's new. I got to notice that. I got to focus on that, and that's important. And when our brains focus on something, the way our brains focus is by releasing a chemical called dopamine. Dopamine is that chemical that makes things feel good, whether it's chocolate or exercise or watching your favorite movie. Now, that's a typical episode of my show. Mm-hmm of diving into the music theory or the psycholinguistics or the rhetoric of a song and saying, this is what makes your brain trigger some dopamine for that song, or this is what makes your brain feel like that song is easier to listen to or whatever else that makes your brain like that song. Oh, that sounds really interesting. Yeah. So this is why it took like 20 to 30 hours a week to produce an eight to 20 minute episode on top of that, underneath all that, I've got an instrumental track of the song that's specifically engineered and edited to fit in with the stuff that I'm talking about. It's written as an essay and then underscored with a remixed version of the song. Yeah, it's intense. Yeah, and that I'm, sounds like it would take a lot of meticulous, uh, you know, yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh, there were so many moments where it was, okay, I've got the instrumental track worked out perfectly, but I want to transition from the instrumental of the chorus to the instrumental of the bridge right here, which is the exact moment that I transitioned from talking about the, about the chord structure to talking about the conclusion of the whole thing. Well, the problem is that last sentence went about a quarter second too late. And mm-hmm. now I have to shift that last sentence a quarter second back. I have to shift, shift the sentence for that a quarter second back. Oh my gosh. It was meticulous. Mm. It was meticulous. But at the same time, I really enjoyed it in small doses. Sure. <laughs> Problem was it was a weekly show and I was doing 20 to 30 hours a week of editing. In small yeah, doses, that's a lot. I loved it. So I'm so glad to get to go back a little bit to that show. Do you, uh, do you get to talk about, uh, I know you said you focus on songs that are pretty popular. Do you get to talk about uh, other things as well? You know, like, for example, if, you know, why, why John Coltrane, you know, speaks to my brain where it might not speak to somebody else's. So the problem is I'm trying to target the broadest audience possible, not yeah. semi-show 
can be a hit or anything like that, but because actually I'll get into why in a sec, but because I'm targeting the broadest audience possible, I can't really talk about that one underrated gem from the, from the early two thousands that I personally love, but nobody else knows mm. or that one Coltrane song or that one Charlie Parker song that nobody's heard of. I would love to do that sometime, but um, the reason why I'm targeting such a broad audience isn't so my show can be a hit. It's not for the sake of my own ego. It's because the point of my show is to say, Hey, I know music theory is boring. I know sometimes it can get frustrating and overwhelming, and frankly, it's easy to just plain hate music theory. So here's one really cool nugget that you've never thought of and you've never heard of, but it might help you if you hear like 25 really cool nuggets after 25 episodes to say, hey, this could be cool, and then to dive a little bit deeper into it on your own. But my show is just an introduction, and it's just to it's just to give people a good first impression of music theory. And so Mm -hmm. because of that, I have to go for the biggest song possible. I mean, Bohemian Rhapsody was one of the songs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Which has, you know, experienced a revival since the movie, right? Oh, yeah. I released the the episode about Bohemian Rhapsody the day the movie came out. There you go. Talk about timing. Oh, yeah. I I tried to be relevant as well as possible. I wasn't great at being relevant. Um, but that said, it's not like I'm always going for bubblegum pop with Carly Rae Jepsen and Ava Max and Justin Bieber. No, because most people, because a lot of people don't like those songs. And I wanted to make sure that the people who loved Fall Out Boy could get a really good episode about Fall Out Boy. So the first mm. episode was about Sugar Going Down. And that the people who loved indie rock could get a really good, so- a really good nugget about indie rock. And so there was an episode on Some Nights by Fun. I wanted to make sure that as many people as possible who don't like music theory can find at least one cool nugget to like about music theory. And then if they want to go learn more on their own, they can. Mm. So yes, yeah. I did do a lot of genres ranging from Bohemian, ranging from Queen to Fall Out Boy. But I tried to do the biggest example of that genre possible. Yeah, no, and that's important too, making things like theory more accessible. So What's the name of it, and where can we find it? The show is called Song Appeal, and you can find it basically any podcasting platform from Spotify to, oh, po- uh, what's it called? From Spotify to Google Podcasts. You can also find, I'm most active on Twitter, which is at Song Appeal. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to make things hard on you. And on the topic of Twitter, I mentioned that I've been taking a hiatus and that I've been slowly preparing a new episode. That new episode is going to be released when I reach 3,000 Twitter followers. Okay, where are you at now? 1,400. Okay, so we need, yeah. to, we need to get people following Song Appeal on Twitter. I mean, it's growing slowly. I don't expect it to grow quickly. I... I need to give myself some time to build a great episode for the mm. audience. And I need to give myself some time to work on all the other things because there's a lot of important things in life. And this podcast is way down the list, frankly. Sure. Yeah. But at the same time, it was a lot of fun and I'd love for more people to get to love music theory because of it. Awesome. So uh, any last words, anything left unsaid that you'd like to talk about related to uh, COVID or the podcast or anything else? <sighs> It is entirely possible to take a pandemic seriously without panicking about it.
it is entirely possible to take your job or your side project or whatever else you're doing seriously without becoming a workaholic. There is always a happy medium. I'm not saying that the middle of the road is always the best way, just that we don't have to go, we, we don't, we don't have to go so far into anything as to hurt ourselves. We can be dedicated to something without hurting ourselves. And we can find joy in any situation while still taking things seriously. Okay, sorry, real quick. I'm a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. 150 years ago, or 170-ish years ago, the people of my church were driven out of their of their homes with guns and uh, were driven out of their homes at gunpoint. They loaded everything they had into wagons and started walking across the desert with no idea of where they were going, just following their religious leaders and following and following their God and trying their best to do their best. They were starving to death. And they found joy in the midst of that situation. Some of them weren't starving to death. Some of them were having a great time. Some of them were building closer relationships with their families and their God. And frankly, we can find that same level of joy in the same situation, regardless of what the situation is. Sorry, not in the same situation. We can find that same level of joy in our situation now. I've spent a lot of time in not great situations and still being happy. Mm. Mm. To uh, reference music lyrics one more time, one of my favorite little lyrics is uh, from Leonard Cohen. Something like there's always a crack, that's how the light gets in. Kind of makes me think of, uh, of even in the darkest times, there's, there's light to, uh, to experience. Absolutely. Okay, Hunter, uh, thanks for taking the time to do this. I really appreciate it. I'm trying to get as many different perspectives on what's going on as I can. The podcast is Song Appeal. Follow Song Appeal on Twitter. And thanks for taking the time out. And it was great talking to you. Thanks so much for having me, Brian. Okay, that was my conversation with Hunter. I hope you enjoyed it. It was a little bit of a different experience for me interviewing somebody that I had never met before and only got to chat with for a couple minutes before we started recording. Also, he said he doesn't really have any strong political beliefs, which is not normally the case for people who I interview. I think because of both of these, I didn't really know sometimes where to probe or to ask more follow-up questions. And so I think it wound up a little shorter than I would have liked. But I think Hunter had a good message for you. His podcast is called Song Appeal and is available where you get your podcasts. And please follow Song Appeal on Twitter. For more on my podcast, go to bryanttalkstohumans.net. Follow at bttthpod on Instagram and bryanttalkstohumans on Facebook. Thanks for listening. Stay safe. (laughs) 